Inside your program, you're going to find a connection card. Recall these connection cards, they're a purple and white card here today. And I uh, appreciate if you take some time right now to pull it out and you know, give us whatever information you like. But on the back, also there's things you could mark on the card, everything from um, Becoming a, a believer, getting baptized, child dedication, things like that. Anything, the various things, write in what you like. Uh, after you're done, you can leave this on your pew, and they'll be picked up later on. Thank you for doing that. And uh, for those who are first-time people, first, second time here, whatever, third time, uh, we have a guy, Eric, who's back there. He's looking at me right now. And if you go in the back there after service, uh, you can get a mug. It says, West Covina Christian Church on it. And uh, it actually holds coffee. So everyone likes freebies, right? As you're, as you're doing that with your connection card, I just want to remind you to take a look at the back of your program uh, later on. Just some things to keep in mind. Uh, we've got a lot of rock climbing today. This Saturday is our men's dinner. We got, and if you're going to bring something, we have a list out there in the foyer. You can just write down what you're going to bring and food-wise. But uh, you don't have to bring anything. You can just come. And so guys... Come, bring your neighbor, bring your cousin, uh, bring your, your, your friend from work. And it's just a neat way for guys to just to kind of connect and we just have a good time together and we stuff ourselves. Okay. Also, this, um, just keep in mind the mother-daughter banquet. You can read that on the back of the program. We started our baptism and new members class. If you're interested in that, you can come and start coming next Sunday at uh, 9.15. And... Um, this Thursday is our kickoff meeting for our 5K run. If you're interested in participating in that, keep that in mind. It's on the back of your program. Oh, that was a lot. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. As you're doing that, I hope you had a really a blessed Easter. We just had a really blessed time here, fun time, good time. Last Sunday, we all got together and we celebrated the resurrection. It's a very special time for the church. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to just read a few verses, verses 7 through 9. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Things. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, as we're about to get uh, back into the, the book of Ephesians, Father, we just uh, ask you to open our minds and hearts to the things you want us to learn. Each one of us is different, Lord. We're in a different place. We've gone through different life experiences. But, Father, your truth speaks to all of us. So help us to grab onto it. Help us to be not only ministered by you, Father, but to get to know you better through what we do today. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I remember when I became a Christian, the last thing I wanted to do was become a pastor. Well, I guess I was wrong about that one. And you know, when I read about the Apostle Paul, and if you read about the background of the Apostle Paul and understand where he was coming from before God met him, 
I, I don't think he wanted to do what he wanted to do when, he, when you really think about it. You know, he, he wanted to be a lifetime Pharisee, a man who's a leader of the Jewish people, promoting and defending Judaism, but he was wrong about that too. You know what we learn as we get into the Bible and as we walk that walk with the Lord? There are always a couple of things we've got to remember that are very fundamental. One, that God is sovereign. In other words, sovereign means he can do whatever he likes. There's nothing that can stop him. But also, that we've got to understand, not only is he sovereign, but we serve him. If we are to actually walk as his children, to walk as a true believer in Christ, we have to have that attitude, that heart, that we are here to serve the Lord. We want to serve him because he is a good, loving, great God, and we want to serve him with our lives. So you put those two things together, and sometimes our life looks different as we go down that road. That's just the way it is. This morning, we're going to return to our study in the book of Ephesians, like I mentioned, and realize that this is a letter. When we talk about these different New Testament books, they were letters. We called them epistles. And this letter was written by Paul, or dictated by Paul, while he was in prison. And that prison could have been in Rome, that prison could have been in Caesarea. But he's writing this letter to this church in the city that's known as Ephesus. And that's a church he knows very well because he started that church. He planted that church. He was with that congregation for over three years. So he knew the people that was in that congregation. You know, when we, um, when we talk about this letter and we look at a glance here, we're going to see from the very beginning of our text that Paul, uh, he's going to reveal to us some things that a lot of people just kind of miss in biblical, biblical uh, study. And he's going to reveal them to us this morning. And it, it not only talks about what Paul understood from God, but also how what Paul te- taught here to the, to the church in Ephesus plays a big part in our life today. So let's just grab onto this and may God bless us as we go forward. The first thing we're going to look at as we get into our text is the rise of Paul the Apostle. Now when you think of Paul, God was extremely gifted. Now just kind of before we read the text, Understand that when, as if you read the Bible, you're thinking, my gosh, this guy was amazing. He, 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 was, he was a pastor at heart. He was a church planter at heart. He was an evangelist at heart. He was a theologian at heart. I mean, he, just, he was just such an incredibly gifted, empowered guy. You can't help but look at this and say, my gosh, God really groomed the right person for this job. So let's get into this. Let's talk about the rise of Paul the Apostle. Let's start off and look at verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul wrote, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So in other words, he's reminding those. Remember, this, this is a letter that was sent to this church, and he knew that this letter was going to be read to the congregation. Uh, this letter is probably going to be passed around and, and, and read to these, these small groups of believers. And Paul is revealing to them, be they new in the church or old, hey, this is who I am. This is, this is why I have this credibility or this position to write you. First off, we see he calls himself what? Servant. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of servant. 
But the first thing that comes to my mind has to do with attitude. Your, your servants have to have a servant attitude or they're not really a servant. And, and we appreciate servants in our life. We appreciate that, that, that servant waiter who comes to our table, and man, he got that right attitude. He's asking those right questions. He keeps coming back, and that's the, that's the person you're going to give that little extra tip to, right? That's that one with that servant attitude. We appreciate it. We appreciate that servant attitude, that, that, that person that comes up to us at Home Depot and saves us from looking all over that big old dumb store for a little screw or something. You know, they come up and they say, hey, what are you looking for, man? And they help us to find it right away. That's that servant attitude. We appreciate when we go into the social hall and we're getting our food. And there's that person there in the kitchen. And they got that attitude. And they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. See, that's what the servant attitude is. They are basically showing through their actions, through the way they communicate to you, I'm here for you. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That was Jesus' attitude when he came to earth and he started his ministry. That he, he was the King of kings, but he came to serve. And that is the same attitude that we got to have. He, he sets that tone for us. If we're really going to be followers of him, then we got to live our life like him. We've got to follow that life example. See, Paul was not only a servant, but what does he say here? Paul says, I am a servant of the gospel. Now, what in the world does that mean? See, Paul could have said, I'm a servant of God. Paul could have said, I'm a servant of the truth. But no, he says, I'm a servant of the gospel. See, the purpose of his servanthood and he's telling the church in Ephesus, and he's telling us today, the purpose in his servanthood was to promote the good news that Jesus Christ came to save us. And you know what? We know it. Words can be cheap, right? Words are cheap. We can say a lot of different stuff. People can say a lot of different things. But I really truly believe that if anyone knew Paul back in those days and just watched his life, his life would, would show without a doubt that he was a servant of the gospel. In other words, the things he said, the things he did, everything kind of funneled down to, hey, you need Jesus. You know, that, that kind of challenges me. I wonder if it challenges you. But when people look at your life, when people look at my life, what, what are our lives telling the people? Who do we serve? Maybe you got this adorable little pet at home, Okay. Maybe you spent every moment thinking of this little dog of yours or, or this just servant, little animal. Or, or, maybe, or maybe it's your grandkids. You, you just love your grandkids, the children around you. You just pour out your life and your funds and every waking moment toward these children or that child. Or maybe you love doing stuff around the house and you're constantly fixing your house up. Paul wrote, I am a servant to the gospel. And he goes on to say, through the working of his power. 
which reminds us that whom God calls, he empowers. If God opens the door for you to, to do something for him, you know, no matter whether you've done it before, no matter whether you, you feel comfortable doing it, if it's really from the Lord, he's saying, come on, step through. I'm going to empower you to do it. I'm going to help you do it. That's his MO. That's the way he runs. If he opens that door, he's going to empower you to do it. That's comforting. I hope it is, but it's kind of scary too. You've got to have the faith. You've got to have the faith to take that step. That's what it's all about. That's what makes Christianity so exciting, right? To whom he calls, he empowers. See, the, the name of Paul the Apostle just echoes through history. Why? Because this man not only was a focused man of action, but, but he was a spiritual man of God. Put that together. Man of action, man of God, put together. Man, he, he just lit the world on fire during his time. Let's go on. Look, let's look at verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. You know, when we think about Paul, and let's say we took a spiritual rank, Okay, we, we said we had, a, we had a ranking between 1 and 10, 10 being the highest in regards to spirituality. I, I really believe that everyone would agree with me, especially theologians, that Paul ranked like an 11. He was just off the chart. So when he says something like, although I am less than the least of God's people, is this false humility? I mean, this guy was just a spiritual stud. He was just everything there. Is in our, but I'm the least, I'm the least of God's people. Is that false humility? You know, I believe it wasn't. At all. Not at all. Because when we really think about it, and if you've been walking with the Lord for a lot of years, you can understand that true spirituality, true spiritual maturity produces in a person an ongoing clearer and deeper understanding of who they would be without Jesus. And the deeper you understand that, that contrast of who you could be without Jesus and who you are with Jesus, wow, it just gives you this incredible heart of gratitude, this incredible understanding of, of how you are not worthy to be in the position you're in in Christ. It creates in us this, 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 this whole different perspective of the world and, and ourselves. It gives you a truer understanding of our sinfulness. I think Paul had a real clear understanding of his sinfulness, of the way that he may be manipulative. This guy was a smart guy. Matter of fact, you know, he's like a really sharp guy with the law and the, and, and the doctrines and the truths of the, of, the, of the Jewish way. He was considered the most likely to succeed. This guy was really a guy who could manipulate people if he really wanted to. He, but, but God gave him a true understanding of his sinfulness, but also of his self-centeredness and his self-promoting ways. And we're like that too, right? Sometimes we just want our agenda. Sometimes we just want to do things our way. And sometimes we fudge things doing it. 
And God gives us a true understanding of our past. And realize, Paul, there were Jews that were just spiritually starving for, for spiritual truth. And they, they, they gravitated toward Jesus. And when they did, Paul just nailed them. He arrested them. He had them stoned. He had them thrown in prison. Even here, when we think about this, this understanding and a deeper understanding of who we are, these songs we sing, do you ever get kind of, you know, years ago when I used to sing Christian songs and we talk about, oh, God, you're everything to me. Oh, God, my life would be nothing without you. No, I couldn't connect with that. I don't know if I can say that that's really true in my life. But, you know, as I've walked with the Lord and come to appreciate the Lord and love the Lord more, yeah, that's true. And, 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 I, and I understand that contrast between how I would be without Jesus and how I am in him. Incredible, deeper gratitude and, and just, just thankfulness. You know, talking about thankfulness, you know, one of my kids, one of my kids likes to ask really crazy questions. I was driving her home from school one day, and she says, hey, Dad, tell me, would you rather be, would you rather be dragged down by an alligator or stomped to death by an elephant? I couldn't, I couldn't answer that. I'm thinking, what? And I'm thinking, and then right after that, she says, hey, Dad, if, if, um, if Mom weren't around, would you, would you marry again? Would you remarry? And immediately I said, no. Absolutely not. I would not remarry. I mean, my wife went through a lot for me. My wife went through a lot of junk for me, and there is no one who could take my wife's place. I am so grateful to her. But, but if, if she weren't here, you know, let's think about it. Let's be realistic. It's much easier at this point just to get a really good-looking housemaid. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys know I'm just kidding. Don't tell my wife. She's at the retreat right now. <laughs> but you know, when we talk about a thankful heart, understand that Paul had this. And because of this, it comes across like he was false humility. It really wasn't. He had a real, genuine humility about him. And when we think about it, no matter how we survey our life, no matter how we, we concentrate on the things that maybe did happen or the things that didn't happen, you know, we know that God is the architect. If you truly love the Lord, God is the one who's going before us. And, and I hope that gives you encouragement. I hope that gives you, you an understanding that you do not walk through your life alone. And that God is, just, is always there saying, hey man, turn to me. Turn to me. And in my case, I depend on, on his promises. And one of the big ones that I hold on to, and maybe you too, is Romans 8.28 that says, We know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, if you love and believe in Jesus, this is for you. And even from those dark hours, God is saying, you know, even in those dark hours, I can draw, I can pull out blessing. Somehow, some way, you're going to see it. I'm going to pull out blessing from even those dark times. Now, some of you, we might be still be waiting for it, but that's God's promise, and we want to hang on to that because he is a God who loves us. Even though we don't see the things happen in our lives the way we want to, that love is always there. Paul wrote, I became his servant 
to make plain to everyone the administration of his mystery. So Paul, even through all the things he went through, the huge life changes from a, from a, a high-ranking Pharisee to a man who's just traveling from town to town talking about this, 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 this man who was nailed to a cross. He's saying, you know what? I, I, my, I, I'm, I'm bought into this 100% because I know God loves me even though I get beaten, even though I get dragged around, even though I get spit on and I just go from town to town. God still loves me. And I'm here, what? To make plain the administration of his mystery. What mystery is this? Let's look at the revealing of the church. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Paul wrote, According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Well, I read 12, excuse me. I didn't read 10. Jump back up. My eyes, age, six. His intent was that now, here we go, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. I, I love this. This is amazing because when you read this, sometimes you say, what in the world is this? He's talking about heavenly realms and all this authority. But you know what Paul is trying to do? He's trying to get the Ephesian readers or the listeners to this letter to understand that something amazing has taken place. Something amazing has taken place. That, that, that he's going to give them a glimpse of the heavenlies. Paul tells the believers in Ephesus throughout all eternity, God has had his eternal plans and purpose, and that is of the creation of the church. And he, he opens their minds a little bit to the spiritual realm, and he says, you know what? That, that even the angels, even the heavenly Creatures up above, they are astonished by this thing called the church. That God in wisdom has given heaven's best to save earth's worst. That God in love has won our hearts. And God in love has prepared us, the church, to be what? We were once the enemies of God, but now he's preparing us to be what? the bride of his son. That, that, that God is glorified more in his defeat of sin than if sin never existed. A mind blower. And that the church, the body of Christ, the bride of the son, us, was always a part of God's mysterious plan. See, what Paul is trying to do here with the church in Ephesus and he's trying to do with us today, God's trying to use this with us today, is to help us understand that on Sunday morning, we're just not a gathering of believers. We're not just a gathering of believers, but we are the final piece of God's plan to bring his creation back to him. The church, we are the final chapter 
And God's working through all eternity. Think of, think of creation. Think of the Garden of Eden. Think of the birth of the nation of Israel in Genesis 12. Think of all the things that went through with Israel. Think about the birth of Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's all culminating to us now. We are the church. We're the final chapter. This is it. God is closing down with us. It's exciting. And that's what Paul is trying to help them understand. We're the final piece that God is working on, that has worked on, has put into place for the one who has created everything. So what's the interesting thing is we think of us now here, here we are, April 23rd, 2017. What is the church supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be just waiting for the, for the, for the groom to come for the bride? We're just, are Christians just supposed to hang in there and say, okay, Christ is on the way. We're just going to hang in there and he's going to take us home. No, we know we can do a lot of stuff. There are women on our retreat right now. Uh, we're going to serve lunch after this service. We're going to organize a 5K race for the whole community. You know, we're going we're gonna to eventually have another New Year's Eve party, and we're going to have a men's retreat coming up. We've got a whole bunch of great stuff that we're doing, right? But Paul, the one God entrusted with the task of pouring the church's foundation, what did he say? He said, I am a servant of the God. And, you know, Paul, I don't know if you ever thought this way, but Paul is a prototype Christian. When you read about Paul and you say, man, oh, man, this guy did this, this, this. Look at the way this guy just poured his life out for God. Realize that he is a prototype Christian that God is saying to all of us, this is the way you want you, I want you to be. I want you to turn out like that guy. I want you to take, make decisions like that guy. I want you to count the cost like that guy. I want you to serve me like that guy. He's the prototype Christian. We're all supposed to be like Paul. We're not supposed to admire him from a distance. We're all supposed to look at him. What did he say? Paul said, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Imitate me. Why? Let's get into this. Last point. The relationship God desires. See, See, God chose this right man to, to do the right job, to, to get the church going, and why? Why is it all for? Because God wants this very special relationship with us. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, Paul wrote, In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Three things. Three things God wants you to have. Three things that, that should characterize your relationship with God. Very quick, number one, access to God. God wants you to know you got freedom to speak directly to him. God wants you to know that you don't need sacrifice animals. You don't need a middleman. You don't need a priest. You just go before the Lord. The door has been opened, blown off the hinges because of Jesus. Number two, confidence before God. God wants you to know that when you come to him, he's going to welcome you. He's going to say, man, wherever you've been, I've been waiting for you to hook up. Yeah. You go to prayer with God, know that he's thinking, hey, 
good to hear from you. What do you got for me? You just open your heart and start letting loose with him. You know you're going to be received. You know you're going to be lovingly received and heard. Last thing, eternity with God. We know all about this. This is the paradise as mentioned in the, that Jesus said to the thief on the cross, that day you'll be with me in paradise. We call it heaven. We call it that better place. The doors open to us for access to God, confidence before God, and eternity with God. You guys hear about it? I think you've all heard about it. If you have a TV, if you're not, haven't been living under a rock, you're under, you, you, you understand about what all the turmoil with United Airlines now. United Airlines, they dragged that guy out of his seat, dragged him down the aisle. Here's this guy who was a paying customer. They grab him out of the seat, they drag him down the aisle, and he's screaming, I'm a doctor, I gotta get to my mouth, whatever it is. Did you hear the response from the CEO of United Airlines right after that? We're within our rights to do this. The law says we can do this. Changed his tone later on, right? Big PR problem with the United Airlines, right? Let's boil it down. Why do you think that happened? Two things. Simple. Number one, United Airlines forgot who they are. Number two, United Airlines forgot who they serve. See, that can happen in a church too. A church can forget who they are. A church can forget who they serve. May that never happen here. Let's pray. Father, as we go forward, thank you for your word. And when we gather on Sunday, Father, help us uh, to really just have this hold on to that little piece of truth that we're just not gathering as Christians to worship you. We are actually part of that, that, that final chapter, that last phase of this incredible work that you've been working on through the, through the history of all mankind. Father, help us to, to have a deeper gratitude and love for you as we learn from you and love you. In Jesus' name.